You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. It is Monday. That means it is time for Mental Health Monday. And uh, we'll check in with Deaconess Heidi here in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman on Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. Always good to be with you. I am. I'm just uh, excited to continue our um, responding to listener questions uh, conversation today. And then starting next week, hard to believe it's uh, December already, um, but starting next week is uh, our Mental Health Mondays holiday editions uh, for the whole month of December. And looking forward to mental health and the holidays uh, on Mondays coming up uh, each Monday throughout the month of December. So today uh, we're going to continue our conversation on listener questions. Um, our our disclaimer, as usual, this is not professional therapy. Uh, not to say that this isn't professional. This is certainly professional. But uh, that uh, if if a question comes up today as we're dr- addressing more general terms regarding mental health and and mental illnesses, um, that uh, that you should seek out professional help um, and. There, we'll, we'll share some resources. We, we've shared some resources on how to do that. Um, but certainly, uh, this is not to take the place of your own um, therapy or, uh, or professional services that might be needed. So, disclaimer done. Now you're ready to dig into some questions? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. So, last week, uh, we started on some questions on stigma and awareness. Uh, and so, we have one more question in that category. And then we'll get into, uh, if, if we have time, because sometimes it might take us an hour to cover just one question. But um, <laughs> then we'll get into when to seek help or getting a diagnosis. So, uh, today's first question, the term cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, or CBT, uh, is often heard uh, around various media outlets. What is cognitive behavioral therapy? Isn't that a fun phrase? It is cognitive behavioral therapy. I also thought it was interesting that it is heard a lot because I I haven't heard it a lot on like standard media outlets. Um, but I do think it is uh, one of the therapy um, types, if you will, that insurance really prefers. Like they like to see it on insurance paperwork and things. And so it's one of the most recognized, the most uh, long enduring types of therapies. And so the basic concept of cognitive behavioral therapy is that our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions are all connected. Um, And so you have the triangle, we call it, of cognitive behavioral therapy. And so in therapy sessions, you talk around those three things. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? And what are your behaviors? And how are they linking together? It's it's very useful. It's a, a basic, useful process for us to be able to understand and see how those things are, in fact, connected. And so cognitive behavioral therapy is also what we generally think of as talk therapy, where you're like working through your processes, you're maybe doing some exercises in emotional intelligence to identify more vocabulary for your emotions, but then connect those to how you're seeing them cognitively through your mental processes, and then how that is playing out in your relationships and the way you interact with people and your job and all those different places and spaces that you go. And so it is really useful. I would say that people need to know about cognitive behavioral therapy is that it's not the only therapy available. And so while it is really useful and used in almost every single therapy circumstance, 
uh, it's not the only thing that most therapists will use. And it's not the only thing that you uh, can seek out. I've seen a lot of people that have had a an experience with only cognitive behavioral therapy, and they recognize that it only helped so much. You know, there are instances, especially where trauma is involved, that we need various different therapies that access uh, parts of our brains that cognitive behavioral therapy may not. And so know that there is a plethora of therapy styles available to you. And if you see a therapist and or if you have seen a therapist and it was cognitive behavioral therapy and you were like, well, this only did so much for me, there are a lot of options. Uh, that said, if your therapist isn't using cognitive behavioral therapy at all, I would be really surprised. You know, it's a it's kind of standard practice in mental health. And so you can tune in in the new year on the Mental Health Mondays on the YouTube channel at HeidiGaiman.com. We'll do a series on different kinds of therapies. And so I think that'll be really useful. It's something that I know as a social worker that a lot of therapists know, all these different kind of therapy options available to people, but it's not something I don't think the public feels really informed about. And that seems silly to me. You have a lot of options available to you, just like you like to know what kind of cancer treatments are available. We want you to know what kind of mental health treatments are available for you as well. Thanks. That's very insightful. Um, and so now if it comes up, you know, especially as uh, maybe it comes up as an issue or a topic when um, using an EAP or an insurance issue or something like that, now we know what that means. Thanks. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right. So when to seek help, when to get a diagnosis, how can you know if your feelings of anxiety or depression should require professional help? Is there like some sort of magic mark that or threshold or how do you know if your feelings of anxiety or depression should require professional help? I think the most basic answer to this is, is it interfering with your life? You know, are you able to go to work? Are you able to have relationships with your family in the way that you would like? Are you able to, uh, do the housework that needs to be done, the chores, the uh, day-to-day living, that is the most basic answer I can give for that. I think it's really important that we dive a little bit deeper. You know, that's usually how we distinguish in therapy worlds, whether someone really needs to seek help or not, is if it's interfering with their life. However, I think that there's a place of anxiety and depression where it may not be interfering because we're extremely high functioning individuals. We get the job done. We do what we need to do, but we're not doing well. You know, we want more. And Jesus says in John, you know, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I think part of that, that concept of eternity and Jesus's restoration in our now is that we can do better than just okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I love the mental health phrase, it's okay to not be okay. And that is true. There's no shame in that. Jesus doesn't shame us when we struggle. He only ever enters in to help and to reach out and to bring his spirit-filled hope into our trouble. However, he does, I think, open the door for us to be like, this is this is not where I want to be. And I can utilize resources to help me. And that includes like turning to his word, but there is other things also that can be gifts to us that God brings into our life, like therapy, like medication, like professional help. And so I think if your people around you also, that's a good indicator are saying, hey, I'm a little concerned, you know, hey, 
Do you think you're doing all right? Where are you at? How are you feeling? That's an indicator to you. A lot of times other people can see our struggle a little more clearly than we can because it's so up close and personal. And so paying attention to that. If your spouse is saying, I'm, I'm concerned about you, then it's time to seek professional help, seek professional guidance, even if it's not something that requires medication or doesn't require a whole lot of visits. That's just well for us to go and see and do a check-in, if you will, just like a physical. Hmm. All right. You ready for the next one or anything else I about, am. about that one? I, I mean, that no, sums yeah, it up really well. Very insightful. All right. Is there a difference between a mental illness and living a psychologically toxic lifestyle? Um, I'm not exactly sure what a psychologically toxic lifestyle is. I could uh, take a, a couple guesses, but I don't know. Is there a difference between mental illness and living a psychologically toxic lifestyle? Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what that means. The thing that I would say from my lens as a trauma therapist, someone who specializes in EMDR and attachment therapies and things like that, is that uh, there's always a deeper story to anyone's lifestyle. So I think that in America in particular, we like to talk about choice and making decisions and choices for our health and for our relationships. And while that is true, there is a lot of layers that go into who we are in this moment today, trying to you know, live out our lives in relationship and um, make the best choices that we can. And so I don't know that I would couple mental illness and psychologically toxic lifestyle together. However, I feel like usually if anything's toxic, it usually means that you probably need some help and that's okay. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So I think removing maybe the shame-based language around the idea that someone is toxic and being able to say there are some things going on that aren't well, that need some attention, and how can we help them get that attention that they need? And I always think about the whole log and plank thing when we talk about mental health too, because just like Jesus says, as far as sin goes, that we need to deal with our own stuff before we can address it with someone else and their stuff. We need to do the same thing for mental health. <laughs> so so I don't think we should go around maybe labeling someone's lifestyle because we have enough problems of our own. <laughs> Instead, you know, I understand though that there are drama-filled people. <laughs> that is a reality and that's a struggle and we all need boundaries. And so I think when you see something toxic and you have like maybe little prickles going on in your body and stuff, that's telling you that you probably may need some boundaries with this person. And that's a good thing. But, you know, let's consider maybe how we address the concept of the story that's come before this moment and knowing that they probably have more stuff going on. And so if we have a relationship with them, we can encourage them to seek some help by also identifying how we ourselves have taken care of ourselves as well. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of this from the perspective of someone else living a psychologically toxic lifestyle. I was thinking of it as the person oh. asking the question saying, do I, you know, is there a difference between me having a mental illness mm. or me living a psychologically toxic lifestyle? Like I keep going back to the same things that are toxic Ooh. for me psychologically was how I perceived it. But it, it That's good. could have been That's totally good. about someone then then speaking about someone yeah. else too. <laughs> I love that, Andy, though. I like that you are able to perceive that in such a way and notice our different 
ideas of it, which is really helpful, I think. And we need to be aware of our own agendas and stuff too, like when we do look at other people. And so that's really helpful that you even pointed that out for me, like in this moment, Heidi, you, you, you might be thinking maybe a little too far into this. And so certainly if we're looking at ourselves and we see some stuff that is not going well, and we kind of continue in a cycle, if you will, then I don't know if that's a mental illness, only your mental health care provider can answer that for you. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that we, we maybe all have something a little bit diagnosable going on in our lives. And so it doesn't hurt us to see someone to define, you know, what we need so that we can break out of that cycle. Very good. Well, that uh, that really brings us to the end of today's segment of Mental Health Mondays. Coming up next time, Mental Health Mondays, uh, we dig into mental health and the holidays, some good topics. Thank you so much, Heidi. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for being here on Mental Health Mondays and the Coffee Hour. Thanks for having me. I'll see you next time. Oh,